Welcome to the Finding Freedom with Food podcast. I'm Cindy Fox, certified intuitive eating counselor, coach, and registered health professional. If you've spent years struggling with food and body image issues, and you're tired of having stress around food control your life, I'm here to help. Here on Finding Freedom with Food, I teach you how to step away from dieting, learn to trust yourself with food, and eat intuitively. Each week, I'll be dismantling unhealthy diet culture practices that are keeping you disconnected from your body's innate wisdom, and I'll be sharing my best tools, strategies, and mindset shifts to help you rebuild the peaceful, sustainable relationship with food in your body that you were born to have. In addition to this podcast, I'm always sharing free resources on my website, findingfreedomwithfood.com, and social. So find me at finding.freedom.with.food on Instagram and findingfreedomwithfood without the dots on other social platforms. Eating really can be effortless, pleasurable, and fun again. So if you're ready to get reacquainted with the intuitive eater inside of you, let's dive on in. Well, welcome back to Finding Freedom with Food. I'm very excited about today's episode because I think it's one that is going to be incredibly valuable for anyone who either personally struggles with or has loved ones who struggle with diabetes and managing blood sugar. So my guest today is Bonnie Giller, and she is a um, registered dietitian nutritionist. She's also a certified diabetes educator and a certified intuitive eating counselor. And so she is well qualified to talk about this topic with us today. One of the things, or one of her main things that she does is she helps dieters stop dieting. She helps people with diabetes manage their blood sugar after a lifetime of dieting to really get them to a place of eating for enjoyment, abundance, and health. So Bonnie, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to dig into this topic with you. Yeah, me too. I think it's one that's going to resonate with so many people. I think there's a lot of information out there that leads people that have issues with blood sugar to believe they have to be super restrictive and completely cut out foods. And you know, we know as in a certified intuitive eating counselors is that, you know, that can cause more harm than good in our relationship with food. So I'd love you to just share a little bit about you, your background and how you got into this, essentially what you do every day to help people with their relationship with food. Absolutely. I appreciate you asking. It's always nice for listeners to kind of know who they're listening to, right? A little bit of the background. Right. So um, as you said, I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and nutrition has always been my first love and passion. Although I want to share, when I went to college, I didn't even know that I was going to um, major in nutrition. It was one of those things where, this was many years ago, by the way, there wasn't computerized registration. So I'm kind of putting myself in terms (laughs) of my age, but- um, you know, you had to open this huge book and I, I had an open slot, in my schedule. So I opened this huge book of classes and I close my eyes and I go, wherever my finger lands, if it fits in the time slot, I don't care what class I'm going to oh take. My gosh. Lo and behold, it was in the nutrition department and I loved it. And I continued to just go on and got my bachelor's in nutrition, my master's in nutrition, and then went on to do an internship and become a, a registered dietitian. I love doing I love what that. I do. Yeah, it was really that's a great story. (laughs) I know, right? It was like really crazy, but uh, who who would have thought? But definitely loved it. Um, growing up, I did 
you know, I watched my mom diet. Not that she jumped from diet to diet. It was always one diet, which I will not mention, but one yes. diet went on after each kid was born and just, you know, she always continued to struggle. And it was, it was in a way I didn't know to be sad about it back then, but looking back at it now, you know, I was like, oh, wow. I wish mom didn't feel that way about yeah. herself and her body. And it didn't necessarily cause me to be, do my own yo-yoing, but I will tell you that I did feel like I could use a couple of pounds, especially when I started dating. So I guess yeah. all of that planted the seed in my head around what a woman's body, quote unquote, should look like. So I did dabble in some fad diets. Um, but then in any event, went to college, learned about nutrition, all was well. And I took my first job in a weight loss center, believe it or not, because back then we didn't have intuitive eating when I graduated. So everything mm -hmm. I learned as a registered dietitian was very weight centered. So you came, you know, we learned about any disease state, you have diabetes, you have heart disease, you have the, it's always about, okay, help them lose weight and count food groups and servings and, and all of that. And so of course, went to work in a weight loss center. I lasted maybe three weeks there because I could oh, not. So yeah, I just couldn't handle. I mean, uh, my quote unquote boss told me, you got to yell at people. You got to make them <gasps> feel really bad about themselves. You know, if they quote unquote oh, cheated and it was horrible. And I was like, okay, I didn't go to school for this. And so I'm out of here. Um, mm -hmm. I started my private practice and then, I mean, I did, this was already after I had a, a corporate job right after college, like things it just transformed. And then I had children. And so I ended up starting my own private practice, which was um, what I've been doing ever since. So it's now 36 years, actually. Wow. So it's a really long time. And That's it's been, great. It, was, it was always offline. So it was local until the internet became a thing. And then I was like, you know, I need to get my message out there to the world. And then I started so how did I find intuitive eating and then mm. bring that into my practice with all disease states that I manage through nutrition therapy? So basically what I found is after I had my children and I put pregnancy weight on, I would go on a diet and I would try to lose the weight. And then, you know, I started with my clients in my practice. <laughs> I would create quote unquote, like if you're not watching this, you're listening. I'm like air quote, I would do mm -hmm. plans and create really healthy, well-balanced plans for people. But and of course, it was always with weight loss in mind, even mm -hmm. if it was diabetes and so forth. And ultimately, people would call me back, you know, after six months or a year. I'm like, okay, Bonnie, you need to come back. I need a new plan. I gained the weight back. And I was like, what is going on? At the same time, I had lost my baby weight through a quote unquote meal plan that I created for myself like I did for my clients. And I thought everything <laughs> was all well until it hit me in the face one day, you know, body, I think you're dieting. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm like, yes, you are. So I was having that conversation. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I had heard about like the anti-diet movement and intuitive eating for a little while at that point. I honestly couldn't wrap my head around how do I work with clients and patients without putting them on a meal plan? Is that what, yeah. what I learned? But that's when I decided to learn from Evelyn Triboli and I took I took the course and I had supervision and I took the exam. I became certified and then I incorporated it into my life before bringing it to my clients. And then it's like, I never look back, but I will tell you one thing that I found to be very difficult. I started working. So if anybody who would call me, but I want to lose weight, I would talk to them about the statistics and how many times yeah. have you tried 
gained weight and you regained it, et cetera. And I said, can I introduce you to something different? Yes, sure. Intuitive eating. What is it? And we go into the whole thing and it was great. But I was having this trouble with like my patient with diabetes. I should say that some point earlier in the career, after I became an RD, I did go to get my certification in diabetes. Where that love came from is growing up, my grandfather had diabetes. And I always mm -hmm. remember when he would come for a holiday or just whenever my mother would cook. And as we were serving and bringing things to the table, she'd always say, this is for grandpa and this is for uh everyone. And I was like, oh my God, poor grandpa. <laughs> he never seemed to care. He was like so happy-go-lucky. It was all fine and dandy, but it hit a nerve for me. Why does he have to yeah. eat different than everybody else? In any event, I did go on to become a certified diabetes educator, which is now called the Certified Diabetes Care and Education Specialist. A mouthful. It means the same. Um, but where I was having the issue after I started uh, doing intuitive eating in my practice is I was still seeing my patients with diabetes and still creating quote unquote meal plans for them because I was like, okay, how do I like help them with diabetes management without giving them a meal plan, right? Again, it was like yeah. a learning curve. So who I am is I continue to seek out continuing education and learning because it didn't feel right. I couldn't work with a portion of my practice on intuitive eating, yet another portion giving them a meal plan. Like it didn't, right. it didn't sit right with my brain. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And in any event, I did. I did took, took a course on weight neutral diabetes education. And then I hmm. created a program it's called Healthy Living with Diabetes, um, a new approach to managing diabetes without dieting. And so that's how I got into really working with those who have health issues. So diabetes and otherwise, but we're talking specifically about diabetes to help them manage blood sugar levels from a non-diet perspective. So that's kind of how I came full circle. So everything I do in my practice now, which I do continue to have an offline practice, but I also have an online practice and everything is now from that intuitive eating philosophy, that weight neutral lens. Yeah. So that's a long answer to your question, but no, I know it's thank you for that. I think that it gives us a real understanding of you are well-trained. You're very immersed in the science behind all of this evidence-based information around intuitive eating, around diabetes management and maintenance and how those two can actually fit together. Maybe talk to us a little bit more because we know weight loss is the first line of defense a doctor's going to give when they hear somebody is having an issue with their blood sugar or they're in full-blown diabetes. Why is it that weight loss is not a proper treatment plan for people with diabetes? Simply put, because it just doesn't work. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but, but to, to talk more about that, look, you and I both know if somebody is a good rule follower, they'll follow the rules, they'll lose the weight. Yes, their blood sugars come down, their A1C comes down, their cholesterol comes down, their blood pressure comes down. It's like they're celebrating. But because we know the statistics that 95 to 97% of people who intentionally lose weight through dieting and restriction regain that weight, people regain that weight. And when they regain that weight, what happens? Their A1C goes back up, their cholesterol goes back up, their right. blood sugar goes back up. And so it's actually even more dangerous for you. It's it work. People try. See, here's the message: 
it's for your health. Lose weight for your health. The problem with that is they lose weight. They improve their health, they think. They regain it. Now their health is not any better. As right. a matter of fact, it's worsened. So we know right. that weight cycling can actually cause worse health outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, when it hands down, this happens all the time. Somebody calls me, walks into my office, reaches out online and says, I have diabetes. My doctor referred me to you for weight loss. Yeah. And I take a breath because <laughs> I say to myself, okay, here we go again to the doctors. Yeah. And I'm yeah. disappointed in the doctors. And I have to then explain to everybody and say, look, this, 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 and this. And they're like, yeah, I know. I don't want to diet. I don't want to diet anymore. So you mean that I can improve my blood sugars, my A1C without dieting and restriction? And I was like, yeah. And you have no idea. It's like a load of bricks is lifted off their shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, because it's almost like, are you kidding me? Like, could this absolutely be possible and true? You're talking about the statistics of weight regain. Two-thirds of people that lose weight from restricted dieting end up gaining more weight than they originally lost in the long run, right? Right. And it, and it's hard for people to really understand that because, you know, people who've chronically dieted do have this hardwired belief that in order for me to be healthy, I have to lose weight. And I do understand it because it's the yeah. message that's out there and the message from their doctor. But we do see that it's about up to 40%, if not more, of people that have, uh, like, say, I, I believe type 2 diabetes, I, not necessarily pre-diabetes, those with type 2 diabetes actually have disordered eating behaviors. And yeah. they vacillate between hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia. So high and low, high and low. And not only do, does do individuals that have that weight cycling roller coaster, the dieting roller coaster, they have the blood sugar roller coaster, which doesn't feel good. And there's an increased risk yeah. of insulin resistance, which is the hallmark of type two diabetes. And so at the end of the day, mm. we have to have a new approach. Weight loss cannot be the focus of diabetes treatment. I'm not yeah. going to say, you know, you may have heard this phraseology out there, but weight loss is not a skill. It's not a behavior. You can't say I'm going mm. out today to do weight loss. Mm. It might be an outcome of habit change, behavior change, mindset change for some people. Yes, but you can't go do it, right? right? So that's why when we're looking to really manage our diabetes and prevent complications, the focus really must be on habits and, and lifestyle. And yes, nutrition is important. I will never say it's not. There are many right. very impact blood sugars and nutrition is one, but we cannot focus on weight loss as the primary goal. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you say weight loss is not a behavior. I think people would just say, well, of course it is. It's something I'm doing for my health, but no, losing weight isn't about making healthy behavioral changes necessarily for some. Yes, maybe it is. But I think you're absolutely right. Some it's just I'm restricting and then I end up so overly famished and can't deal with the cravings anymore that I have a food fest in the pantry. One of the things I want to ask you is in terms of myths with diabetes, certainly as it relates to nutrition, can you share some of those bigger myths about, you know, people that have diabetes? 
Yes, absolutely. So the ones people come to me with is number one, we just talked about it. I have to lose weight to lower my A1C. Like yeah. that is probably the number one thing people think. And, you know, again, like we said, it's short term. It doesn't ultimately work. Um, the cycling of highs and lows can worsen your health outcomes. And so it's yeah. really, it's, it, it is a myth. And I know this is a hard one for people to overcome. It's just, what do you mean? That's everything. That's all I'm being told. So not to repeat myself, but that is absolutely the number one myth that I hear and that I really try to dispel for people. And like I said, when I do share all of this with them, like I'm sharing with you, they're actually super relieved about it. And I have so much compassion for people. I mean, for everybody, but we're talking about <laughs> diabetes who really come to me asking me, Bonnie, help me lose weight so I can become healthier. So my blood sugars will come down my A1C. So I don't have to go on meds or insulin. Like I get it. I really do. And I have to really help them retrain their brain and really start yeah. to think differently. And only when they actually start to take action and, you know, work together and I encourage them, do they actually see change? And then it's like, oh, wow, you're right. Mm -hmm. now sometimes they move into the space not believing this is possible, but trusting me because I hold that belief for them and that, you know, they know that everything else they've tried hasn't quote unquote worked for them. So right. they're like, okay, I'm going to trust you. And ultimately they do find it's true and it changes their life. So, mm. um, you know, that I believe is, is probably the number, the number one myth, although they're probably all tied together. I would say because mm -hmm. number two is about carbs. So you can probably guess what I'm going to say. Right. I can't eat carbs. I have diabetes. I can't have bread or pasta. Look, carbs have gotten a bad rap across the board, right? Like diet culture has done a really great job on demonizing carbs. So true. It's just now diabetes, right? Like I can't have carbs. It raises my blood sugar. And so again, it's one that I have to, you know, just break down for people and just understand that carbs is the preferred energy source for your body. We need carbs. We absolutely need carbs. Whether you are, whether you have diabetes or not, right? We all need carbs. Now, is it true that those with diabetes have a more difficult time perhaps processing an amount of carbs or type of carbs? Absolutely. Yes. So there's this concept of insulin resistance where I don't know how much you want me to go into that, but the- No, I would love it, please. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. So we do have three main nutrients in our food, protein, fat, and carbs. Each one has a very important function in our body. When we talk about carbs, we know that carbs breaks down into what? Sugar, known as glucose. And so we eat foods that contain carbs, our blood sugars rise, but that's important because that's our fuel. So the way the body works is that, the blood sugar levels rise, which happens in everybody, diabetes or not. The pancreas is now signaled to say, okay, blood sugar's going up. I got to release insulin, a hormone made by the beta cells of the pancreas. Insulin shoots out from the pancreas into the bloodstream, attaches to the sugar, and now brings it out of the blood and goes to the cells and knocks on your cell door and says, hey, open up because I've got your fuel. I want to dump the sugar or the glucose into the cell. Mm. Well. There's a problem at the cell door. There's a resistance. It's like the lock and the key. 
aren't meshing. So what happens? Mm -hmm. The insulin is not opening the door to the cell. So the sugar is not entering into the cell and it stays in the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. This is an insulin resistance. And so now the pancreas is like, oh, I got to shoot more of that insulin out because I got to get that sugar into the cell for fuel, right? So it shoots more out. Eventually some does bind its way into the cell. Certainly not enough blood sugars levels stay up. So now you have a high insulin amount. You have blood sugars that are staying high. You have a lot of insulin floating around in the system, which in and of itself is not so great. It can raise triglycerides, storage, for, storage, store fat. So it's not really a great thing to happen. And so the idea being is there's a problem either in the amount of insulin somebody is producing or the efficiency. And ultimately there's this right. resistance. So through the idea of through weight loss isn't fixing this. My point, <laughs> there are other right. variables that will help lower this insulin resistant, resistance, thereby increasing insulin sensitivity. So the cell doors do open up when insulin comes knocking. So that's the whole premise behind it. So the idea is that we need carbs at meals, but every person is different. Everybody needs a different amount of carbs. That's called the mm -hmm. carb load. The carb load is how much insulin can your body process in that one meal. And that is very different for people with or without diabetes. And so, yes, we mm -hmm. do need to address carbohydrate, but we need to eat carbohydrate because if we don't have carbohydrate, we don't have the, the preferred fuel for our body. So right. it's really learning all about this. So carbs... You've got to eat your carbs. It's okay to have your bread. Yes, there's a certain amount you may or may not be able to process. That's something that can be figured out together. Certain carbs are quote unquote better for your for your body, meaning your blood sugars and your insulin and the processing. It doesn't mean eating other carbs are detrimental. Right. So is that balance? So one question that comes to mind for me, Bonnie, is how does insulin resistance potentially impact hunger? if I'm not getting that response or the sugar's not getting distributed, do I feel more hungry in those you situations? Can, you can feel more hungry. Absolutely. And then sometimes what ends up happening is if you have a high level of insulin that is now released and it is impacting the sugar and processing the sugar, you can have a dip in your blood sugar. You'll have Hypoglycemia, and so you can be, get hungry that as well, right? So when right. the sugar stays in the bloodstream, you're not absorbing it. You're not absorbing, you know, from the from the food estate. And then on the flip side, if there's too much insulin that is hitting and intercepting the sugar from the food, and you're having a nosedive, you can also be hungry. So absolutely, appetite hormones can become skewed from all of this as well. So I mean, I think this brings us to the then what right so when you think about maybe share some examples of some of the variables that would imp impact this whole process with blood sugar levels oh absolutely so i mean and, and nutrition is number one so that we talked about that's something we have to address but not from a rule base so this is i should let me just say this for a moment because this is really important if those of you listening do come from a history of dieting, I think it's extremely important to understand that if you have prediabetes or you have diabetes, it doesn't mean you need rules. On the contrary, when we're talking nutrition, we're just getting data. We're getting data. Mm. We're going to choose to eat a certain meal, a certain amount of food or carbs at that meal. And we're going, if somebody does have diabetes and they test their blood sugars, that's just data for how their body processed said meal and it informs them to make 
certain decisions next time, or if they're not testing blood sugars, we learn how to feel. How does that feel in my body? We learn what right. my <clears throat> blood feel like and allow that to help determine. So it's not about good or bad. And it's not about, you know, I followed or I didn't follow. It's if we can just change the thought process and realize this is just data, like we're researchers and yeah. every person is unique and everybody is different. So you learn to be your own researcher of your body, right? And then use that information to understand more about what's going on. So nutrition is mm -hmm. definitely something. Uh, movement is definitely another factor that will impact insulin resistance where you can become much more insulin sensitive. And so we store extra glucose as glycogen in our muscles and our liver and our muscles. And when we're working out and we're breaking down the glycogen from the muscles to fuel our body afterwards, we want to replenish those glycogen stores. We do that from the glucose in our bloodstream. And ultimately it helps positively impact our blood sugar level and our insulin mm -hmm. sensitivity. So movement, but keep in mind, if you're a dieter, it has nothing to do with boot camp, kill myself, right. move. I got to go to the gym. I got to run on the treadmill for an hour. Absolutely not. It's gentle movement. Even, by the way, there's research to show that even walking 10 minutes after a meal is going to help bring that sugar from the bloodstream into the cells. So mm. it's Incredible. really, yeah, You ju it's just like, how do we look at it? And I know for people who are recovering from dieting, that's a hard thing to decouple, right? Yeah. That exercise diet perspective, but it's super important. Um, stress is another huge variable. What I have found in all my years is there are two things that are not talked about for the sake of health and well-being, and that's stress and sleep, both of mm -hmm. which impact your blood sugar levels and your insulin resistance. And I think that we cannot forget about it. So many people will come to me and say, okay, I know nutrition and exercise. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. just, that's just touching it. Right. There is so yeah. many other things, right. Um, stress could be emotional stress. It could be a physical stress like mm -hmm. illness or infection or surgery, or you stubbed your toe, right. Or, or things of that nature. It increases cortisol your stress hormone, which also can wreak havoc on your blood sugar and your insulin resistance. So stress is a major factor. When I'm working with my clients, we do a stress inventory. We really look at the various stresses in your life and then break down how can we best manage those stresses. Because mm. some stresses, we can't just say, poof, it's gone. Right. Live in a I don't know, a really crazy world right now. And it's tough, right? So yeah. things we're in charge of and we absolutely can change. But there are so many things that we really can't that are not within our power to do, right? So how can we best manage those stresses so they don't negatively impact our health and our well-being, right? Yeah. So What's so amazing it. about this body is people think, oh, dietitian, they're going to give you the diet plan. They're going to tell you what to eat and what not to eat. And what you're sharing is, no, I'm going to help you get in touch with your body, how food makes you feel, how movement makes you feel, finding movement that you're going to enjoy and actually do, but also manage stress on a level that people wouldn't often think that someone in your profession is going to do. Absolutely. It's so, yeah. so true. When I, when I really share this with people, they're like, oh, wow, you do all that? I thought you were just yeah. going to tell me what to eat and what not yeah. to eat. And I'm like, no, I don't do that. Why right. are you 
I don't know what you like. And then, you know, back in the day, you know, admittedly, before I knew about intuitive eating and I was creating meal plans for people, I would provide, you know, ounces. Well, have this many ounces of here and this many ounces there. But now that I'm in this world, I was like, I I don't know how hungry somebody is, right? It just doesn't make sense. And I am so grateful that I found intuitive eating and just weight neutral nutrition therapy. You know, it's just, it just really, it, it makes things so different for me in the work that I do on a daily basis. I would love it if you could share an example of like a success story. I I know you have many, many, we've already talked about that, but give me one that sort of comes to mind that you want to share with the audience. Of course, of course. So what comes to mind when you ask me that is, is a woman who I worked with years ago before intuitive eating. I worked with her on a quote unquote meal plan. She lost weight. Um, and lo and behold, she got diabetes. I mean, this is over 10 years later, I heard from her and she's like, I have diabetes and I know you do, do you do that? <laughs> she said, you do that. I do that. <laughs> um, and I want, you know, you need to, you need to come in and, and I need to come in. And so she did, she came in, we had a nice session. I explained to her about weight neutral diabetes education because she basically felt that, well, you know, I regained a little bit of the weight I lost when I worked with you, you know, years and years ago. And so I I need to lose weight in order to bring this A1C down. And I don't really like to talk about numbers, so I'm not going to necessarily talk about her A1C. It was high. Her doctor was quite concerned, actually put her on several medications And I shared with her, and it was really hard actually at first to help her understand about weight neutral diabetes education, which is where we really focus on everything else, not weight, right? So it's not weight centered. And she's like, okay, (laughs) but what do you mean? So it took us a little bit of time to really wrap around. But at the end of the day, within three months, the the A1C is your average blood sugar over about three months time, over after about three months of working Mm. together. Her A1C was well within the quote unquote normal or target range, so much so that her doctor called me and said, oh, what did you do? <laughs> How did you do that? I'm like, I, I didn't do anything. I educated, yeah. I didn't focus on weight loss. Yeah. You know? So it was amazing. And I still keep in touch with her till today. And I know that she's doing really well. And it takes a mindset shift, especially mm-hmm. as dieting for a really long time. It is hard to wrap your head around it. But I also want to share something else that is coming up for me as we're talking. It's very hard sometimes for those who are chronic dieters who haven't really worked yet on that recovery to move into a place of learning how to manage their diabetes with the nutrition piece without it sounding like rules. So Mm -hmm. what I on an individual basis, when somebody does come to me who has a history of dieting and who has a diagnosis of diabetes, is I have to do a proper assessment of, do I believe that they would benefit first from doing the work through intuitive eating and recovering and dismantling the messages and changing their mindset and attuning back to the signals, et cetera. And then we move into learning about what's happening in your body with diabetes and how do we address all these variables or do we start with diabetes and then move into the recovery from dieting perspective. It's a very fine line and it's a, I must do that on an individual basis because as you can imagine, 
when you go into the diabetes education, as I said, we do start with some nutrition understanding when you go into that, but you're still thinking and acting as a dieter, it, it's hard for that not to turn yeah. into wrong. So every case yeah. is very different. Yeah, there's a lot of false information about intuitive eating that it's eat only when you're hungry and stop when you're, you know, at the early sign of fullness and they turn it into this diet, which is not it, it's not at all. But I also agree, and I've seen that with my own clients, that getting to nutrition too early before they've actually, as you said, dismantled the mindset around good food, bad food, that you know, when they eat it, they feel the guilt, they feel the shame. Until we get a handle on that it's really hard to actually start to eat intuitively. So, right. yeah. But, but, you know, again, it's just a call that I have to make with the client. Yeah. And sometimes if I feel that the diet mentality is so strong and they would benefit from working through the intuitive eating process first at the start, because you don't want them to flounder and feel like they're drowning. We yeah. do. And, and, because I'm a responsible practitioner and I do need to make sure their blood sugars don't sure. go off the charts. I do some gentle diabetes education. So they have yeah. a little bit of a flexible framework to guide them. So again, you know, we're ultimately, we have to watch their well-being. So we can't yeah. just have blood sugars just go off the map. So again, yeah. it is individualized. And that's actually such a beautiful thing to have somebody like you that can help them look at the data, right? And look at how the data, how they're feeling, but also the body response and make adjustments accordingly. And, and I think that's awesome. So do you work one-on-one -on -one in person? Do you do it virtually? Tell us a little bit about how you work with individuals. Oh, sure. Thank you for asking. So right now, Everything I do is virtual. So even yeah. my quote unquote offline practice, meaning people from the local neighborhood, doctors who refer, when used to be before COVID, they'd come into the office. Now I've just made everything virtual. So everything is virtual. And so I do work one-on-one -on -one with individuals and I do have group programs as well. Oh, oh, awesome. Yeah, for, for the diabetes work, that really, that is a one-on-one -on -one work because I have to really get into it with each person, look at their data. It, it's very, very individualized. So my diabetes work is a one-on-one. -on -one. My group programs mm -hmm. are intuitive eating based. So having said that, it doesn't mean that I don't have clients within the, the intuitive eating group program that have diabetes, but I can customize for them some education around it as they're beginning the the intuitive eating work, if that makes yeah. sense. So, yeah. right, does that, that, do you hear that? Do you see what I'm saying? Like I have a, a very specific diabetes education program, as I mentioned, it's called Healthy Living with Diabetes. That is a one-on-one -on -one program, if anybody mm -hmm. is interested in that. But my intuitive eating work is called Whole Body Trust Intuitive Eating Program. So my whole, you see, here's the way I see it. And you probably would agree. Dieting strips you of trust, hands mm -hmm. down. And it's trust in your own mind. It's trust in your signals. Your hunger is trust in your food. And through the whole body trust program, we come back to a place of trust, trusting your entire body, your whole body. And so I take them through a six-month process to achieve that. Now, when somebody does have diabetes and they're coming into the whole body trust program, 
I will have a little bit of a session with them initially as part of their onboarding process to help them understand more about the nutrition piece for diabetes as a flexible approach. Like I said earlier, because that's a responsible thing, obviously, that we need to mm -hmm. do. So there is that. And then oftentimes at the end of their journey through the intuitive eating program, if they do have diabetes, they then generally will want to have some sessions privately around the specifics around diabetes. So dealing with all of the other things one needs to know about diabetes, like yeah. high and low blood sugar, what are the symptoms, the causes, the treatment, the prevention, mm -hmm. sick day, what do I do when I'm sick? Like there's lots to learn about diabetes, but then they're ready to learn that. So mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, I, I'm working with a client now. I do like intuitive eating work one-on-one -on -one as well, but she's working one-on-one -on -one with me, but she's also in the group so she can get the community and the inspiration from others. She just told me today that she says, oh, no, Bonnie, my A1C is up and the doctor is, you know what he's saying? And I was like, <laughs> she says, but I know better. So I say, you do know better, but we will address this together. You're not yeah. alone. So that's why the support is so important, not just as a one-on-one -on -one coach, like you and I are, but having a community of women behind right. you, fire you. I always tell people, even if you work one-on-one -on -one with me, come into the group because mm. the women, that is so important to be. Absolutely. I, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You know what I've also found in different coaching groups that I've been a part of is I sometimes get even greater aha moments when some, when I'm listening to somebody else being coached that I've experienced that. And I'm like, Wow, I didn't even like think about that. So I think it's very powerful. You know, both are very powerful. And I think you need it at different times for different reasons. So yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're amazing. I think that the work that you're doing is so important. I think that changing lives with this, I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Thank you. And, and you as well. I'm happy to have met you. And Obviously, I love what I do. I know sometimes people say, Bonnie, calm down. You're a little loud yeah, about yeah. it. I'm just passionate about it. I can't help it. You know what? I hear you. I have to get myself off that box every once in a while, too. But I think it's because we've both experienced dieting from a personal perspective as well and um, and see the other side. And it's pretty beautiful on this side. So, Yeah. And when I'm in a social setting and someone I'm meeting someone, I go, Bonnie, what do you do if my daughters are near me? They say, oh, don't get her started. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> don't <Yeah>. get her started. <laughs> you know what? My daughter says the exact same thing. She'll roll her eyes and be like, okay, here we go. But yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they're learning well, from us too. They've definitely learned from us oh, as well. Oh, you know what my daughter said to me yesterday? I have to share. She's 21. And she <laughs> said to me, her, her friend's parents are doing some crazy diet. One of them, yeah. And she said to me, I really feel bad for them. She says, and I just feel bad for all my friends who didn't grow up like I did. And I was like, oh, wow. talk about like a proud mama moment. That's so validating. That's beautiful. So I, I would love you to just take a moment and share where people can find you. I know people are going to need your support and your help. So, so give us all the details. All right. Awesome. I appreciate that. So if people, first of all, I have a free gift. I'm happy to share with you that you can send oh, to your awesome. audience. Yeah. I have an ebook, six steps to a body you love without dieting. It takes you right. through the six steps of my whole body trust program. Just to explain a little bit, a little bit of a workbook there. So I'll share that with you. Awesome. Um, 
And then you can find me at my website, dietfreeradiantme.com. That's all about my intuitive eating work. If somebody is interested in the diabetes work, so you'll you'll share all this in the show notes, right? I my absolutely will. So my diabetes work is highlighted at my main nutrition therapy website, which is brghealth.com. So the links okay. will be in the show notes. And if you're on Facebook, just you can find me at Bonnie R. Giller. I do a lot of posts there. I have a Facebook group. And all you need to do to find me in my Facebook group is just pop into your um, browser, intuitiveeatinggroup.com, and it will take you straight over to the Facebook group. But I'll share that with you and you can just share that in the show. Awesome. Yeah. So lots of places. I'm on Instagram, but not as, I mean, yes, I'm on Instagram as Bonnie R. Giller, but somehow I like Facebook a little bit better. (laughs) Yeah. We all find that platform that just feels more comfortable, right? I agree for sure. Yeah. Well, this was so helpful. I thank you for taking this much time to, you know, share this information. I want to stay in touch. Yeah. I think there's lots of other topics that we can cover. So let's stay in touch. And I just want to thank you again for all this time. I think you're going to really help my audience. I appreciate it. I thank you for the opportunity and it was great. I'd love to talk again sometime. All right. That sounds great. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Finding Freedom with Food podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in this episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave the show a review and let me know what you want to hear more of. Leaving a review will also help others get inspiration, support, and resources to help them on their food freedom journey. If you found this episode helpful, share it on social media and don't forget to tag me at finding.freedom.with.food on Instagram and finding freedom with food without the dots on other social media platforms. And remember, you are not put on this earth to live life obsessed with what you eat and caught up in a never-ending battle with your body. So keep focusing on tuning out the diet culture voices and turning up the volume of your body's amazing intuition. 